The Holy Spirit's Instructions, Part 1 David W. Palmer Jesus gave us the first New Testament, heads up on the vital importance of worship, when he said that God seeks worshippers who will worship him in spirit and in truth, John 4 20 24 NKJV, in the book of Acts, 15 16 17. The Holy Spirit revealed that God also wants to restore slash rebuild David's tabernacle. The purpose he gives, among other things, is to energize evangelism. In the epistles, we see the Holy Spirit clarifying and expanding on what he and Jesus said. He gives us at least six directives. The first is found in the following passage, be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking, singing, giving thanks, and submitting. Ephesians 5 18 21 NKJV and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God, and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Here, the Holy Spirit gives us several very important directives, instructions if you like. Do not be drunk with wine, see, note, 1, at the end of this chapter, b, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I genuinely feel I need to emphasize that this is a directive from the Holy Spirit. You could say that it's an edict or command from the Lord Jesus Christ to us. He commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, so this is something he expects us to take responsibility for. How can we do this? Isn't he already in us? How can we be more filled with him if we have already received him? After all, he is infinite. The New Testament records many instances of people being filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, Elizabeth, Zacharias, Jesus, the 120 at Pentecost, Peter, and Paul. After Acts 2, when they were all initially filled with the Holy Spirit, the term is used to describe special manifestations of the Holy Spirit that enabled Spirit-filled believers to do extraordinary things. For example, when freshly filled, Peter spoke powerfully, convicting the Sanhedrin. Paul declared blindness over an opponent of his gospel preaching. And all the believers spoke the word of God with boldness. See, Acts 4 8, 4 31, and 9 17. These manifestations happened as the Spirit willed. So why is this given to us as a directive? After all, God wouldn't command us to do something over which He has not given us the right to exercise our will. See, 1 Cor 12 11. The context in Ephesians 5 clarifies, after the edict to be filled with the Spirit the Holy Spirit gives us a list of things that are under the control of our will. If we obey them, they will keep us ready for the Holy Spirit to use us, as He wants and when He wills to. See, speaking, the third directive in this passage is, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is clearly something we can do, by His grace. We should simply choose to receive this as a command from our Lord. It is not optional. If we are fully willing, the Holy Spirit will enable us to do it. Even if we are not good singers, God's word still includes us because he says, speaking. Even if we do not consider ourselves to be singers, we can simply say the words of the Psalms etc. to one another. Today, I challenge you to begin putting this whole list into practice. Live in a way that positions you to be fully available for the Holy Spirit to fill as He wills, by speaking the words of Psalms, etc., singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks in all situations, and submitting. If we do as He directs in this passage, we will be ready for Him to operate through us as He wills. Today, 
He might give you a prophecy for someone, use you in tongues and interpretation, manifest his gift of healing through you, work a miracle by you, use you in special faith, or inspire you with his words of knowledge and wisdom. He may even move on you to see or discern spirits. Now, by simple obedience to the things we can do, apart, we make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit, so he can use us to do things no human can, that is his part. However, we must always remember that he does these things by his will. Choose to praise him etc. today, and you will see what he wills to do. Note. 1. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, in our generation. Like so many past generations, the question of drinking alcohol has arisen, as Christians, should we or shouldn't we drink? In Ephesians, where we are looking today, the Bible only says, do not be drunk, which in our culture is interpreted as not exceeding 0.05 blood alcohol. But this is not all that God's Word says on this vital topic. If it was, this would leave us with the misleading impression that, despite finally being free of legalism in the New Testament, it would be okay to apply a simple law to alcohol. This directive is commonly quoted as a simple rule or law, it's okay to drink as long as you don't get drunk. Not only is this a misrepresentation of what the New Testament actually says on the subject, but by using this law to decide all matters relating to drinking, we are putting ourselves in danger of something far more sinister and deadly than alcohol, legalism. In fact, the New Testament gives a message on drinking that could be summarized more like this. It may be okay to drink alcohol. If it can be done in love for others, for example, Paul says, Romans 14:21 NKJV, it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended, or is made weak. Paul's statement recaps a series of points he makes throughout his epistles. Again, these could be summarized into the following questions. 1. Is the thing wrong in itself? If so, don't do it. Is it mentioned specifically in the Bible as wrong, like adultery, or is it neutral? 2. Is it against my conscience? Rom 14.23 If so, it would be sin for me to go ahead and do it, even if it appears okay for others to do it. 3. Will it harm anyone else's conscience? 1 Cor 8.7.12 If so, it would be sin to go ahead and do it, if they knew about it. 4. Can it be done to the glory of God? 1 Cor 10.3 If not, it is clearly not scripturally permissible. 5. Don't ask, is it lawful? Or is it permissible? But do ask, A. Is it profitable? 1 Cor 6 12, 10 23, B. Am I in bondage to it? If yes, it is definitely wrong. C. Will it edify others and me? 1 Cor 10 31, D. Do I put it before God? If yes, it's an idol. 6. Can I truly give wholehearted thanks to God for it? Col 3 17, 7. Can it truly be done in Jesus' name? Col 3 17, 8. Will it hinder the reputation of the gospel? Rom 14 6, 1 Cor 10 32, 9. Don't ask questions of other people for conscience sake. 1 Cor 10 27, 10. Remember, we are to do everything from love for other people. What is best for them, not what is best for me. Remember also that Jesus said, Matthew 26 29 NKJV, but I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Mark 14.25 NKJV Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God.
Luke 22:18 NKJV For I say to you I will not drink at the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes to avoid the complexities of all the issues surrounding conscience both my own conscience and that of others I have chosen to be a total abstainer from alcohol and have done so all of my life this way I know there will never be an occasion where some impressionable young person to justify himself to their parents says Dave Palmer drinks P.S. Rosanna and I have a saying to help us in this. No matter where you are, when it is, or whatever you are doing someone is always watching.